It's been five years since Hurricane Katrina devastated New Orleans. The first responders are, of course, long gone, but people are still in need of help in all kinds of ways. What are the enduring mental health effects after a disaster like Hurricane Katrina? I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greenberg. My guest is Dr. Rebecca Tomley. She's a practicing clinical psychologist in Minneapolis and president and CEO of Orion Associates, a foundation serving people with disabilities and the elderly. She's been a member of the Red Cross Mental Stress Team since 1982, and she is CEO of Headwaters Relief Organization, a nonprofit that operates the River of Hope Mental Health Resource Center, providing walk-in mental health services in the Ninth Ward of New Orleans. That is impressive. Rebecca, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you. All right. Why don't you start by telling our listeners about your background in disaster response and trauma? You've worked with the Red Cross for many years, so give us a little background of who you are. Well, I'm a clinical psychologist. I see patients back in Minneapolis. I specialize in several areas, but I have specialized in trauma response. I see people in my office back home who may have experienced trauma in some way or another, a car accident, a shooting, a dog bite, very varied. But my trauma work initially really started through my work with the Red Cross and disaster response. You went to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. How did you end up there? I went with the Red Cross as a mental health worker and ended up being assigned to several areas. But ultimately, my longest assignment was to the Lower Ninth Ward and the Upper Ninth Ward area of New Orleans, which was one of the areas that was you know, hit very hard, working with families as they were coming back to see their homes for the first time. When did you get there after the hurricane? How long? Mental health goes in later for some of the direct response, but we're coming in at the end of September, beginning of October. Okay, and what did you find when you got there? What was it like? For me, it was unlike any disaster I had ever been assigned to before, and I'd been out on many disasters in my time with the Red Cross. The level of devastation was unbelievable, very difficult to see. But I think the thing that stuck with me the most, or what was the most different, is that you could see that the services coming in would not begin to meet the needs of the people here. Can you be more definite about that? Like, were we talking about physical services or the mental services that you were looking at? You know, at the point you're coming in with the Red Cross, you're still doing basic need service, whether it's, you know, providing mental health while you're on a Red Cross truck delivering meals or you're providing mental health support when people are trying to find shelter. Uh, the Red Cross has mental health workers in all the shelters, but you could see that the amount of services in terms of even people getting those basic needs met was not happening. The area I was working in, we were still going door to door trying to make sure that people who had either come back to their home were having food and water or there were people there that still had stayed in their homes and there were people there that were looking for family members that were deceased or never made it out. Now, I know this was probably, or was it, I'm assuming this was probably the largest disaster you've ever been at? It would have been the largest. I mean, I worked with September 11th, that disaster, but this was certainly um, in Oklahoma City. I mean, I guess largest in terms of number of people affected, I guess, directly, yes. How was it different from the, besides that from the other disasters, or was it for you? It was different, and some of that has to do with the role you play, because I was primarily on the ground doing direct service with people. And sometimes when you go out with mental health, you might be just doing individual work with people who are requesting mental health service. But in this situation, everybody needed support. 
Everybody was struggling with getting their basic needs met, finding family members, knowing where to go for support, trying to call the numbers that were given to them for the support that didn't really work because either they were jammed with the number of calls coming in or they tell you to call another number. I remember sitting down with one person and, and she was so distressed that I said, well, here, I'll make the calls for you. Well, it took nine additional numbers to get to one number that still couldn't support her in the services she was looking for. You know, when you're, you've been traumatized and you've lost your home and all your belongings and you don't know where your family members are, sometimes nine phone calls might be more than you can do. What mental health services in general do people need immediately after disaster? What do we need to provide to them? Well, immediately after disaster, people really need support. It isn't clinical therapies, like someone comes in your office and sits down and talks to you about your problems. Often you serve as a presence. You serve as a witness, standing next to them by their side, providing the emotional support they need as they deal with the issues they're confronting with. People are in shock. People are trying to sort out what has exactly happened in their life, what's happened to them, and, and just having someone sit and listen as they express you know, their anxiety, their emotions. That's really what mental health is about at that point. You're not doing traditional clinical therapy. That's interesting. It's actually what any healthcare worker should be doing it with any trauma, even learning a bad diagnosis. We need to be present for people in that moment, and that's the most important thing. Exactly. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Reach MDXM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greenberg, and my guest is Dr. Rebecca Tomley, practicing clinical psychologist and CEO of Headwaters Relief Organization, a nonprofit that operates the River of Hope Mental Health Resource Center in the New Orleans Ninth Ward. We're talking about delivering mental health services well after disaster is over. Okay, Rebecca, does there tend to be a progression of the mental health issues that people typically deal with during the months and even years after disaster from that first moment of shock when you just need to be a witness? What goes on next? Yes, I think there is a progression, and I've been fortunate enough to work down here and be able to work with people through that process. You certainly have the shock and the dismay and the reaction to what has happened to me, and there's a period, too, following that time, and we certainly saw with some of the families trying to hope for things to get better or hope for support to come in. And, and often during that time, and I would still categorize this part of the shock period when services don't come in, people really do transition to a period of anger and frustration in terms of trying to figure out what they're going to do or make new changes in their life or reach for services or help. And then often you see a depression that follows. Now the reality has really set in. We're dealing with the loss of everything we knew before, our life is going to be permanently changed, and many people struggle with depression at that point. A phase that comes for people following that is the phase of, you know, and we talk about those that respond to this real well, is a phase where people begin to make changes and build for a future. To move into that adaptation phase or a coping phase, people typically needed to have some resilience in the first place. People who have more resilience tend to have some characteristics or support systems around them that help them make those adaptations. But there are also people, too, that are not able to cope and adjust. And those are the people. It's not everybody who is affected by the hurricane. It's actually a smaller percentage of people. But those are the people who truly end up 
suffering from more longer-term disorders such as post-traumatic stress disorder. Tell our, our listeners, please, about the Headwaters Relief Organization and how that organization got started and got involved in New Orleans. Well, New Orleans really is what started Headwaters Relief Organization. I came down with the Red Cross. I could see that services weren't coming in. Obviously, people are pretty familiar with all the issues on the news about, you know, who didn't provide what support or what, from a governmental standpoint, relief services weren't here. But it it was apparent that services weren't coming in. And I, I went back to Minnesota and had actually met a pastor in the Ninth Ward area I was working with, and and I could see that this is a very poor area. It is primarily an area of African Americans, and it was one of the hardest hit areas. And I could see that services weren't coming in. I went back and I tried to organize in terms of church and community, and ultimately what happened is our organization, Orion Associates, said, We'll send, you know, staff to go down and work. And we, we started out then that Thanksgiving after the hurricane with about 35 employees who came down to work thinking we're going to be helping cleaning up and quickly moving on to learning that in order to bringing in semi-trucks of supplies for this community, we would be getting homes. It wasn't really, you know, kind of brought our buckets and our mops and ended up needing to have, you know, sledgehammers and crowbars. What's really happened since that time is a very much a grassroots movement. Those people were so motivated by this experience and so concerned for the people in that community that family and friends joined in. And we went on to bring, we're, we're now over somewhere close to 600 volunteers that have come in working with us. And we started with gutting homes and moving in as construction people joined us to rebuilding homes for some elderly individuals, to some community support centers, a daycare center, a shelter for battered women, some of the church facilities in the community because this church was really the cornerstone. And along the way, our background is mental health and it is social services. We also opened up the free mental health service. So again, it's very grassroots. The organization is a nonprofit and any Funds people have given house goes directly to services there, but it is an organization made up of regular folks that have chosen to volunteer and give their time to this community. We have volunteers from about eight different states now, and actually we have even had volunteers as far away as from Germany. Can you give us a website address in case any of our listeners want to help or get involved? Yeah, certainly they can look us up at headwatersrelief.org. I think what's unique about our nonprofit is that anything that's donated goes directly to service in that Orion Associates donates all the administrative and the management. So there isn't any amount of funds that are donated that go to anything other than directly to people. And that's been true in that Headwaters has now, we end up working at disasters locally. So while we've maintained our presence in New Orleans for the last five years, we've also served in disasters in Minnesota, in Iowa, in North Dakota, and now in Haiti as well. Can you tell us about the River of Hope Walk-In Mental Health Resource Center? How did it get started and when? So it's been in operation about three and a half years now. Actually, one of the first buildings we gutted, it's a church building by New Salem Baptist Church in the Upper Ninth Ward. And we started it because, as we talked earlier about the phases people went through, as people were really looking at the reality of what their life was going to be like now, the mental health, significant mental health issues began to emerge. We had the capacity in that we are a social service agency. We have psychologists. We have social workers. We have mental health support available. In early on, a lot of the work we did, we think of it as triage work. Often people were suffering or having difficulties 
but it had to do with access to service. So our staff could come in, be emotionally in great shape, hopefully, if they're coming here, and sometimes just sitting down with the person and helping them figure out, you know, where can I go now that my drugstore doesn't exist anymore and how can I get my medications when all my records are gone or where can I go to a food shelf or where can I get clothing. A lot of the services that we were doing initially Now we're doing more traditional clinical work in the sense that we're dealing with people who have struggled with serious issues such as, you know, I use this person as an example of the level of trauma, man we've been seeing for several years who in the hurricane was trying to get out of that area carrying his granddaughter was not able to hold on to her in the floodwaters. Or a woman who successfully got to the dome only to find out that her brother, when he couldn't find her at the dome, had gone back to that area to try to get her out and had drowned. Those type of issues are what people are dealing with at this time, and that's the kind of issue we're currently serving. What are the differences between being a first responder and really getting in with the community for the long haul? Often first responders are specifically trained to be first responders, whether they be fire, you know, you have a variety of fire personnel, military personnel, you have a variety of different skills. They aren't necessarily trained, certainly in mental health, but typically mental health is not what is categorized as a first responder, but as soon as shelters are established, they're going to go and provide support, mental health support at the shelters. But again, the specific training for mental health is really more about How do you guide someone through trauma, being a presence, not trying to do direct clinical traditional kind of services? Are there any specific issues that come up around the anniversary of a disaster? Does it get worse for people as that date pulls around? That's a really good question, Michael, because people come down and they think about, well, it's the anniversary, it's going to be marked in special ways, and often in the churches it is. But often people here feel a need to be more private about their grief. This was not an anniversary date, certainly in the sense of a marriage or a funeral. It's more in the sense of a funeral, more in the sense of loss. And often what you have with this anniversary date is people reliving some of the trauma of that experience. So it's a time where we have a larger mental health presence here. You know, we tend to do more events that are supportive during that time because people are going to have more difficulties. Well, we'd like to help. Give us your website again. It's headwatersrelief.org. Thank you. I've been talking with Dr. Rebecca Tomley about first mental health responders following a disaster and the mental health service center she's developed in New Orleans, the River of Hope Mental Health Resource Center in the Ninth Ward. Rebecca, thank you for being a guest on ReachMD. Thank you for having me. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and as always, thank you for listening.